I didn't believe it when I got that call because I knew he was like downstairs. I knew that he was just one floor away, but it was like I couldn't even go. Right. I, it's, it's, it hits you differently when you're stuck at home, not being able to go and see it for yourself and like see it because like when you see it, it's like you start believing it. Does that make sense? It's yeah. like, but I didn't see it. And I was like, it's not true. Like you're lying. Like it's not true at all. Everyone is a stranger until you know their story. The Power of Good Intentions is a show about people, their stories, challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. This show is here to remind you that there is always a path forward and that good things happen to people who have a good heart. I am Aliou Sidibe, and I am your host. Today's guest is coming to us from New York City. She is a really great friend and an amazing human being. What made me want to do this episode is because of what she had written on her graduation cap last year when we both graduated from college. She wrote a quote from Becky G that said, It all started when my grandpa crossed over. Now, one day, I might be a crossover. And I have to tell you that I'm so happy that I reached out because her life and her family story is one of the most fascinating stories I've heard. Amber was born and raised in Harlem, but in today's episode, she takes us back to the story of her grandfather in Mexico where it all started. Unfortunately, she lost her grandparents during the pandemic, but as you will see, her story shows how the entire future of a family can be reshaped through hard work, dedication, and good intentions. Hi, Amber. Thank you so much for being with me on the podcast today. Thank you for inviting me, Ali. It means a lot, more than you'll ever know, honestly. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. So before we start with, so you were born in Harlem from uh, immigrant parents from Mexico, but I think in order to kind of better understand your story, we need to kind of go back two generations before you and your story and you as a person came to be thanks to the fact that your grandfather crossed the border from Mexico to provide a better future for his family. So can you kind of take us back to that and kind of explain how that came to be? Yeah. Um, so my grandpa was what you would call a campesino, right? Um, he was someone who worked in the field when he could, um, just like get jobs. Honestly, what I've heard from my parents and like him himself, just like around the country. Um, so he, him and my grandma actually got married at like at a very young age. I think she was like about 15 years old and he was like three years older. Um, they ended up having 11 children. So there was like a huge family to take care of, um, and not a lot of like economic, you know, resources. So that obviously meant that he had to really take whatever job that was available. And at the time and like in Mexico, there's just not a lot of like uh, opportunities like where we came come from or like where my parents come from small town vibe um mm -hmm. you know people usually like do physical work and physical labor so yeah like i obviously come from like a working class family um not really having like you know something to like lean back on mm -hmm. um and i guess that's when like my grandparents parents but specifically my grandpa from my dad's side realized that like if he wanted to maintain a whole family of 11 kids and a wife, it couldn't just be done 
with staying in the country. And that's where um, he saw like coming to the United States as an opportunity to just build a better life for not just him, but like his children really. Um, and that meant like leaving them for months. Um, I think at one point, like years maybe, but like going back and forth, unfortunately, like not the legal way. Um, because there's like a lot of factors into that, right. That I don't want to get into, but you know, that I think that understanding that for me, just meant that like my parents, you know, also sacrificed a lot of things for Mm -hmm. my siblings and I, um, and they ended up kind, kind of following that path. Like, you know, they also ended up coming to the U.S. when they were like 17 years old with like absolutely nothing except probably like their backpack. Um, and they also came here illegally. Um, and I think just like there's a lot of backlash with that. But I think as being a child of immigrant parents, like I recognize like the reasons for why they do it. Um, and it's honestly for the children, right, uh, to provide them with like the opportunities that they didn't have themselves being from the town that they're from and just a lot of other factors that come with it. Yeah. yeah. And the, the reality is that most of the people who do that is, mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned, to provide a better future for their children. And there is no bad intentions behind it. You know, yeah. only good intentions. And I don't want to be cliche with the podcast name. But <laughs> <laughs> the power so, of good intentions. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing uh, I would like to ask you about is, um, so as you, you know, as you mentioned, so your parents came when they were 17 here and the, the thing with child of immigrants, and I also, although I'm not a child of immigrant, I'm what you would call a third culture kid. And I'm not sure if you heard about that before, but yeah, it's the idea that, you know, some people are born in other cultures that are different from the culture of their parents. So I myself having moved around a lot growing up. Uh, I see that sometimes you end up living in two separate worlds where you have the culture that your parents want you to learn, but you you also have the outside culture that is kind of shaping you and your beliefs and the environment in which you you grew up in. So how do you think that the fact that you were born in Harlem from immigrant parents from Mexico affected you early on? That question is so like, difficult to answer, I guess, because it comes in what I like to call layers, right? Um, I think, okay, so quick backtrack. I was born in Harlem, like you said, for a long time. I was not ashamed of saying that, but I think it came with a lot of stereotypes. Like when I told someone, hey, um, yeah, I I live in Harlem, and literally someone in college, Aliyu, said, oh, like, have you heard a gunshot before? And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, (laughs) what are you saying? Like, okay, no, but sure. Um, I don't know. I guess in the moment I was just so taken aback. Right. Um, but yeah, like the reason why I'm sharing this is because like one, I think it does come in layers, like not only just being a child of immigrants, but like being uh, born in like a neighborhood that is predominantly like black and Latino. Um, I was very much like in a bubble, if that makes sense. Um, so I was living in a world where most of my neighbors came from immigrant backgrounds or they came from like similar cultures or like kind of like similar stories, if that makes sense. Um, So for a long time, I didn't think I was living in like a specific world, if that makes sense. Like I didn't think I was different from other people. Like we all shared very similar cultures, very similar stories, very similar upbringings. Um, And it wasn't until I got to middle school when I was really exposed to like 
the larger world and like more diversity and like realizing that not everyone comes from an immigrant background. Um, you know, just keeping that in mind, I think that with this whole layer thing, you start realizing it when you're in different environments, if that makes sense. Did you feel that you were at a disadvantage when you realized that? No, I didn't. Um, I just, I guess I realized that there was more to my bubble than um, what I had grown up in. Um, okay. And that I think that was like the first time I realized that people's stories were different and that people's backgrounds were different and that there was just way more to the human experience than what I had been living in. Um, and I think, yeah, like that just comes to say that I was living in two worlds, but it, I, I didn't realize it from the very beginning. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I started, I started realizing that when I was in like different contacts, different situations with different people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that Becky G, she's a Mexican American singer, um, who is like a rapper, but also like pop, um, singer said it best, like during the weekday, I guess a lot of me is like in a specific kind of culture, but then on the weekends, I'm really with like my Latino fam like family. Right. And I think that like the way she says it, it's like, that's my family on the weekends. It's like, while I'm not in touch with like cultural things, Monday to Friday, I really am like Friday to, to Sunday. And yeah. that's where I really acknowledge that I'm living two different worlds um, all at once. Um, but I think with that statement, too, it's like I've been lucky enough to choose what I like from one world and what I like from the other and like put it together, if that makes any sense, because like. Yeah. I have that luxury of doing that. Like not everyone does. And I'm really, I've been really, really thankful for that. Um, cause I like choosing what I like from Mexican culture and then what I like from American culture and also like seeing how my parents grew up and then like how I grew up and like seeing the differences, the similarities and kind of putting that all in like one. Yeah. I love it. seems like you were kind of creative with it. And there's a quote that you mentioned from Selena, uh, actually in previous conversation that, Uh, where she says you have to be more Mexican than Mexicans and you have to be more American than Americans. Yeah. So, you know, coming from a family where your parents were considered, I don't believe that no human being is illegal, but were considered undocumented, right? And did you ever see the impact on you where you felt like you were treated differently because of maybe the fact that you were from Mexico or the fact that, your parents were undocumented. Like, was that a challenge for you growing up? Honestly, no. Um, I think one, I guess, uh, okay, so quick, quick story. I did not, I guess I was not aware of my parents' status. When I was a kid, um, we would go to Mexico and like, it would only be me and my sister. My brother wasn't born at the time. And my mm -hmm. parents just wouldn't come with us. But I guess part of me questioned it, but like, you're too young. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, well, they have to stay here to work, like whatever. Um, so it, it never really like impacted me in that way that like, oh, like being really afraid, which is oftentimes like what a lot of kids, young kids go through, like being afraid that like someone's going to come to your home and like detain like your your parents. Um, that's not the experience I had, thankfully. I guess my parents made a choice of like not really um, emphasizing that growing up because that's not what they wanted me to grow up with. Mm -hmm. um, So thankfully, no, I guess it wasn't a topic that like a lot of people knew about me. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, like I mentioned, they are now residents. Thankfully, after like 25 years, they were able to wow, get their 
Yeah, it was a really exciting moment. 20, 2010 was like an awesome time for us because um, they were finally like able to travel back and like visit family or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I don't think I was ever, I guess, discriminated would be the word for that um, because of that. Because again, like I guess my parents never really allowed that to define my life, which I'm thankful for because I think that would have been a whole different other story, right? Like putting that on a on your kid and like having that in the back of your head affects you in ways that I can't even imagine. But yeah, thankfully, like, no, not not in that sense. I think, I guess the only moment that I realized that it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't like a weird situation. It was more of like, realizing that I didn't have access to certain things was when I was traveling on a school trip mm -hmm. to North Carolina. And it was because of school, like I was selected to go on the, the trip and represent like the school slash the class. Um, all paid for or whatever that one of the the kids who like was on that trip said oh my god this is so awesome that we're traveling together because like this wouldn't have happened otherwise and I was like oh like I was in middle school I was like what does she mean and then I realized that she meant like I one she obviously like knew my parents like couldn't afford certain travels or whatever right like to certain places like on a family occasion that that could be a lot of money um and in was that, she close to you like how did she know that we weren't we weren't like that close but like a lot of kids in the middle school would take trips like abroad like just let's say like cancun right with yeah. with actual families because they were like friends does that make sense yeah. so it was like a situation like middle school children going on trip like family trips together like that's something that not a lot of kids could do honestly like i know my family couldn't um obviously they they could go like back to mexico and visit family but it was less of a vacation, more of like, we're visiting family kind of thing. I think it was a beautiful moment because it was coming from a, a good heart. I know she was coming from a good heart. And she was just pointing out the fact that if it had not been for that school trip, we might have just never traveled together. And I guess that's the only time where I was like, oh, right, like, I don't have that experience. But that's because of like, other factors, right? Um, less of like, status, because at the time, my parents were already legal. But, so yeah. it, it seems like, you know, despite kind of understanding this reality and I guess this glass being shattered in your face when you kind of realized that, yes, this was your situation, you still didn't really let it limit you because like you went on to then to like a great private school and then you ended up coming to Baruch where you ended up studying advertising. But what was the belief that made you know that despite the fact that you didn't have all those resources, you were still going to become someone and kind of be the person you want to be? Mm -hmm. That is a good question. Um, I was watching Michelle Obama's Becoming. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Um, Not documentary yet. on Netflix. It's obviously like, one, it's Michelle Obama. And it, two, she always talks about how she's from Southside Chicago and like she ended up going to Harvard and, <laughs> and then becoming first lady or whatever. And yeah. she something that I, I think would answer that question. And that was the fact that like, our parents never really told us like, you're limited. It's more of like, hey, like, the the way that you can, I guess, get out or like, be someone and like, do something for yourself is through education. And yeah. seeing that as like, the one tool that we can all use to make our dreams come true. Right. Um, I know I mentioned to you over email that like, my my mom was always so um, stern about not not like making us get a job at like 14 years old, right? 
Um, she was so stern about us just focusing on school. And she would always say like, that is your job. Like literally going to school, getting great grades and whatever, like that's your one job. And that's the only thing I could ask from you, like you getting a degree. And yeah, like it was more of like, hmm, okay, I don't really have a choice kind of thing. And it's like, plus I love school. Like that's my job. Like, awesome. Like I love my teachers. I love my classmates. I love everything about education. Like let me just do it. It's not really a job for me. So yeah, I guess like having those conversations with my parents was like the thing that got me through it. Um, school as like an opportunity and like the one way that I could, um, pursue my, my parents' dreams, but also like my own was the mindset that I grew up with. Um, and yeah, like just having those like honest conversations with my parents about how they didn't go to college. Um, not really, well, my dad, I, I'm not really sure to be honest, but also because like their focus had to be something else, unfortunately, right? Like they didn't have the luxury of like saying, well, my parents can pay for my college and like, I don't need to worry about that or saying like, Hey, like I could just go to college and not do anything else kind of thing. Like their priorities were a little different. Um, but yeah, they were like willing to sacrifice a lot for, for us, for me and my siblings. So just growing up with that, it's like kind of a responsibility that I had to like always mind yeah and you know one thing i love about you is that among a lot of people that i know like you're one of those person who you don't really you're not judgmental and you like to understand different perspective and sometimes even when you know that you cannot understand those perspective you're okay with those and you mentioned over email that it was the fact that your grandfather and uh please let us know like were you close to your grandfather or your grandparents and your grandfather allowed you to have conversation with him where you will take different perspective. Can you kind of walk me through that? Because I think this is a skill that is much, much needed in today's world where sometimes we tend to not listen to each other and speak over each other. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It, I think it took me um, a very, not a very long time, but it did take me some time to realize that I could be friends with the person even if they disagreed with me on certain things and I won't get deep into it, but it's like, I did have to consciously put that effort into, into being that kind of person, if that makes sense. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that, but I'll answer your question first. And yeah. Um, and that is that, yeah, I was very, very close to my grandpa. He actually lived with me like all my life up to the point where, um, unfortunately he got sick and like had to have like a procedure done and then a whole series of like, medical stuff happened and then he just couldn't take care of himself or whatever but he lived with me up till when I was 18 years old um so I guess your typical Mexican grandfather right (laughs) um what is it certain generation where he's like a macho kind of guy like um I guess when he (laughs) when he grew up at the time like you know women had to had to do a certain job and that was like cook clean take care of the children I'm like the breadwinner in the family and that's it that's the role that each gender plays. Right. Um, so with that said, like you, you can already imagine, I guess, like the, some ideas that he had in mind when he saw like his grandchildren specifically when it was like my boy cousins versus like me, right. Like they could have a girlfriend at like 15, like, yes, go like, go (laughs) ahead, like 15 and you already have a girlfriend, like awesome. But then like the opposite, the girls in the family, like you have a boyfriend. No, like they had to hide it. (laughs) <laughs> because it wasn't seen the same way you know what yeah. I mean 
So <laughs> me, like growing up with my older sister and just me for a very long time, um, it's like, well, grandpa, like you love us, right? But like, you're saying a lot of things that are very like sexist and like, you're not treating us fairly kind of thing. And he would still be like, yeah, like, but little girl, like in Spanish, like, Nina, like, <laughs> that's not how things are kind of thing. And I'm just like, then no, like, you are living in New York, you're living in the US now, you're living <laughs> with me, who like is growing up with certain ideas that are different than your own, like, you have to listen to what I have to say. Like, that's kind of like, I guess a rebel in me that was like, okay, like, I love you, grandpa, you're amazing, you're everything to me. But like, you should still hear me out kind of thing. And <laughs> I think it was his love for all of us that that's why he had those conversations. And it's like, even though he disagreed, I think, honestly, like, like when he ended up passing away, like he at least um, started to still hear me out and like, not accept it fully, but at least try to be a little more open minded. Um, and I think my mom says that about him, like, you know, he, he was close minded in a lot of things, but he was also willing to hear you and like be open minded as well. Like something that it, it's a generational thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's not just like with the Mexican culture. It's like, you know, older people sometimes have like certain ideas because of how they grew up. And True. that makes total sense. Like, I don't judge that. Um, but I think what I loved about him is that he was willing to hear me out. Um, and even though he like believed that like I should like maybe not me specific but, like women should know how to cook like he, he it's fine like I don't know how to cook and I think he would have been <laughs> fine with it like it's fine um, but yeah like even my grandma and I think that's the most interesting thing about the relationship like even she had certain ideals that would wouldn't be like my own with like women right yeah. like the double standards when it comes to genders um, and she would also hear me out, but like, I don't think I was able to convince her fully, but again, that's, that's, it's because of like the time that an era that they grew up in, it's because yes. of what their parents taught them and what their, yes. you know, parents so taught them. So you're basically like kind of not only talking to them, but you're talking to like years and years of, of ideas that they were growing in their head. Exactly. Tradition, culture. So like, it's not. Like, you know, it's not only the person you see, but it's like their life experience. For exactly. them, that's all they knew. Like a woman exactly. had to do this, a man had to do this. So even if you, today you had the chance to be born in a society where women have more, you know, rights and they are allowed to have more aspirations in life than that. But yeah, it's, like you said, it's a generational thing and yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's like, I think for me, having the privilege of growing up with your grandparents is something not is something that not a lot of like children have um i was able to like live with them on a day-to-day -day basis see what they did on a day-to-day -day basis have those discussions on a day-to-day -day basis and that's something that i think um really allowed me to try to understand where they were coming from even though at the time i was like no grandpa like i don't understand you um, and even then, like what I said earlier, like it took me some time to be that person um, because for, like even in college, right, I yeah. uh, made a group of friends where like we don't always agree on the same things, to be honest. Like we yeah. agree on some things, but other things we're like opposite on or like we wouldn't act the same way or like we wouldn't do the same thing. But yeah. I think with that, with those levels of friendship, you're able to grow as an individual, as a person, you're able to understand things that you wouldn't have understood otherwise, had it not been because they're also trying to advocate for what they think. Yeah. Um, and I think those are like the best kind of friendships when you don't agree, right? And you don't take it 
extremely personal. It's more of like you're growing with one another and from one another. And like you said, also, I think one thing that is important is like you have to be okay with being exposed to different ideas. You know, in Africa, in Mali, there is one thing we say where when an old person dies, it's like your library was burned down because like you're losing all that knowledge and, you know, culture and tradition and all that. So the fact that you were exposed to old people, like your grandparents, I mean, and I love old people so much. Like I love to have conversation <laughs> with them just because you just learn so much, right? It's like they've lived and everything you're going to live, they've, al- they've already lived. So they can teach you more than you know. But yeah, is that being okay with being exposed to more than, you know, what is in your own bubble? Yeah. I think you, you won't learn. Well, you could learn in books, but you can't really, you know, learn from books, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like things that you could, like he, my grandpa, he didn't go to college. I don't think he made it through like even ninth grade, to be honest with you. Um, he didn't really know how to write and stuff, but he lived his life through life experiences. And that's something that I don't think, like in my 23 years of life, I've even like lived a quarter of like what he's lived. So it's like, he was able to teach me things from his life experiences. And maybe I was able to teach him things through like what I was learning in school. Cause like I helped him um, study for his like citizenship exam where he had yeah. to learn how to say George Washington. So it's like this <laughs> useful learning from one another that I like really yeah. value and I'll, I'll always mess to be honest. So when they both passed away, what did it mean to you when that happened? Like, cause it's kind of a tragic time for the world and also a tragic time Personally, for you, because although, like, I think I'm, like, we, some of us can consider ourselves lucky because although we can see the numbers and those are people, obviously, behind the numbers, like, we were not directly affected by it. But you having been directly impacted by that, especially the loss of the grand, I mean, your grandfather and your grandmother, like, people who gave you everything and basically made you who you are in some way so like what did that mean to you honestly when i got the news so i don't think i mentioned this to you but my grandpa he lived with us right but then he lived with my aunt and my aunt lives literally one floor downstairs so i live on the sixth floor and she lives on the fifth floor Mm -hmm. so obviously with this whole coronavirus thing like we were just like well we can't visit each other right um and i think that was honestly like one mistake that we made we all made on our part like at the very beginning with just like one or two cases like we like we still interacted with my grandpa it, it hadn't reached that point where everyone was like taking extreme social distancing precautions like this you have to remember this is like at the very beginning when everything was just starting and we didn't realize that this was a whole you know a whole pandemic that we had to like take action on um so like i didn't believe it when i got that call because i knew he was like downstairs I knew that he was just one floor away but it was like I couldn't even go right I it's it's, it hits you differently when you're stuck at home not being able to go and see it for yourself and like see because like when you see it it's like you start believing it does that make sense it's like I didn't see it and I was like it's not true like you're lying like it's not true at all what are you saying after he passed away yeah, it was when he, they were like, that's it, like, he's gone. And I was like, no, like, you're not a doctor. Like, you like you have no right to say that kind of thing. And obviously, that was, like, my pain or, like, my hurt speaking. Like, you don't want to believe things that you don't want to happen, if that makes sense. Um, but then, obviously, like, 
the people who like know the job and like do this kind of stuff like come and they're like no like it's official like that's it he's gone um so it was it was definitely like a moment of a lot of pain but also like a lot of self-reflection where it was like wow like you really I guess I, I found that a lot of people who are still doing certain things like today when we know that it's a pandemic and like we know that social distancing should be taking place and you should be trying to stay at home and not going out like with friends or whatever like it's a different kind of realization that you have when it directly impacts someone you love and know and i think that it shouldn't get to that point right where it's like it has to happen to me in order for me to like take this seriously and that's something that i guess you've seen for my personal stories that i've been trying to put out there more because it's like man, like it happened to me, like, I know that this is real. I know that there's certain precautions you can take in order for this not to happen. And I know I shared with you, like, I haven't gone out for like a long time. I'm not saying this is the right way at all. It's just, I guess, because we went through everything, we're just taking those extra precautions. Like if only one family member can go out, um, then that's that's how it's gonna be, right? Um, And obviously, like, I get that people cope differently too with like the situation. Like some people have to go running, like totally respect it. Like, don't get me wrong. It's more of like, I don't know, when you deal with the death during these circumstances and you have to attend a funeral during a Zoom call, like it seems so not real, if that makes sense. It's like, this isn't happening. And I think what I often talk about with my family is that we aren't really gonna fully, fully feel it until we're out of what we're currently going through, which is the pandemic. It's like, we're not gonna be like, we're not going to be able to fully, fully cry our feelings out until we go out into the world and we're able to go to his tomb, right? Um, yeah. Because again, everything was experienced virtually. And yeah. that is an insane thing to think about because we're all yeah. working from home. Like, you know, like you're working from home. Yeah. Um, but that is like a, a whole nother thing. Like going through like grief and like, you know, these specific situations is so something you can't even explain until you go through it yourself. So my grandpa stopped eating for a couple of days before. I, I guess like we think that like it was because my grandma was at the hospital and he was so you like there, he was 87, she was like 83. Mm-hmm. So they've been together for a long time. So she was his rock. Yeah, and I mean, it, you mentioned she's, she was 15 years old. Yeah, so like, they've spent like so much time together. So many years together, wow. Exactly, so it's like, Obviously, that took a toll on him, and he didn't want to eat, and just like a lot of factors. And he he actually um back in 2015, right before I started college, he suffered from oh, I just forget the name. No, he I forget the name, but he he suffered from a stroke. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. So like he was a very independent man, and then he became dependent on others, right? So it's like, obviously that also takes a toll on you. And like, you know, my grandma not being there, his primary caretaker, like emotionally speaking, he wasn't doing well when she, when she got COVID and everything, like a whole bunch of things. But yeah, he was just a floor away from us. You, you would think I could go, but it's just, again, with this whole, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things you can't do. What would you say is the most valuable lesson that you learned from your grandfather? Okay. So before this, I was actually, I know we talked about quotes, like off the record, right? Um, I like to live my life through quotes and it's because of pages like yours, honestly, billionaires, (laughs) um, that, that I, uh, I guess I get my like daily inspiration, right? Um, Because it's like, 
there's a lot of things that other people have have said or written or whatever it is um, that I can't even express myself. But it's like when I see that quote, I'm like, oh my God, that's literally like what I'm living or like what I've lived. And like, I don't know, it's just a nice thing to put in writing um, that like keeps me going. So with that said, to answer your question, um, I have a quote that I wanted to to bring up and I knew it, it would come up, right? <laughs> uh, the one thing that he, he taught me and that this was said by Damien Leon, Damian Leon, is that immigrant parents with their wings cut still teach their children to fly. Um, wow. Yeah, like, wow. <laughs> can you, can, wait, can you say that again? Because like, this is really powerful. Yeah, so Damian Leon said, immigrant parents with their wings cut still teach their children to fly. Wow. Um, and I can show yeah. you like the little image. Do you see the little like bird? Yeah. It's so amazing. Like, he obviously wasn't my dad, but he was like a second dad to me because we've lived together for like, we had lived together for so long, right? Um, and he taught me that like, no matter like the obstacles in your way or like, you know, like where you come from or whatever it is, like you can still make it out and like fly and like go as far as you want to go. Um, so yeah, like seeing all the struggles that he went through or like obviously not seeing, but like learning about them and hearing them and whatever it was, like, he taught me that my life was kind of like so privileged in a lot of senses. Um, and I realized that, well, like if he can do it, like so can I, right? Like yeah. he came here knowing no English. Honestly, he didn't really learn English except like the small words like bye or like hello, like things like that that he would like make fun of. Yeah. Um, and it's just like he was he was fine, right? Like he did a thing for himself and for his children and like he gave them everything that he could. So he just taught me that like hard work just paid off, I guess, um, to put it in simple terms and that my wings like were not broken. Right. That's like, beautiful. I use them. That's beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. And one last question I have for you is that so when you're 80 years old and like you're looking back at the life of Amber Vidal, uh, what will make you say that your life was successful and that you, you were, you're happy with the life you lived? That is a good question. Um, I guess one of, I think, okay, going back to like where I come from, where my grandparents come from, where my parents come from, it's all about like achieving the American dream, obviously. Like for me, that looks like as long as my parents' sacrifices, you know, were worth it, then that I've, I've been successful. As long as I'm like able to provide for them like they've been able to provide for me for like 23 years and I've been successful because obviously you don't want your parents to continue working until they're like 70 years old or whatever right like I want to be able to um I guess give back to them as much as I can for as long as they're here because obviously like we're not all going to be here for a very long time and that's part of life um I think also like looking back when I'm 80 years old I want to be able to say like I made a difference in this world and it might have been a small difference when you compare to other people but as long as I was able to touch someone right just like someone else like helped me then I've done well and I've done good and like yeah like I think when I think of my life I know that whatever I do today is going to be someone else's tomorrow and I mean that like my children right like whatever my everything that my parents did has been a direct like I guess 
has had a direct impact on me. So I know that whatever I do today is going to have a direct impact on my children and so on and so on and so on. So that's how I view things. Like what I, I just need to do this, not just for myself, but for like future generations. So it's all about just progress, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how I view I love it. I love it. I mean, well, Amber, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You know, I, I remember like the coach you had on your cap on graduation day that said, uh, it all started when my grandpa crossed over. Now, one day I might be a crossover. So that was really deep. And like, it is honestly refreshing to see people like you in our generation who are like still, you know, having those ideas of like wanting to impact people and not only like people now, but like people in the future and future generation. And also doing work that matters for minorities because we don't always have access to the same information as other people. So uh, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone uh, from the audience would like to reach out to you, what is the best way to contact you? Yeah, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Amber, it's A-M-B-A-R. And then V I D A L S, or just my full name at gmail.com. Okay, I'm gonna make sure to add that to the notes of the show. Thank you again, Amber. Thanks, all of you.